This is Relationship, a podcast presenting a gay look at traditional relationships and values. With your hosts, the Cratellis. I'm Marco. And I'm Tony. Happy Wednesday! Happy Wednesday! So excited to be back another week. Woohoo! It's fun. How are you this week? I am wonderful and energized. How are you? I'm good. Last week was my birthday week, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I had a wonderful birthday. Thank you to everyone who wished me a happy birthday via social media and phone calls, text messages, all that good stuff. And in real life. And in real life. It was a fun time. It was fun. We ate at an amazing restaurant with Erica and Steve. We sure did. I don't want to give the name of it because I don't want people to like start going going there and knowing where it is because well, also they didn't cut that check i know right but i just i just i want to be able to go there whenever i want to and not have it like be super crowded because other people know what it is now and it's cleverly hidden in an alley so i don't think people will find it correct mm-hmm. yeah so what's been going on nothing just trying to survive the wave of your birthday i know right that's craziness and so it's june now right yep. so that means it's pride month whoop whoop yeah And so we're doing something different, right? Yeah, so we're going to do something a little different uh, this month. Instead of our hashtag gay relationship goals, we're going to do hashtag gay history. Yeah, Each week, uh, we'll feature something um, related to uh, pride, gay history, something that's important to our community or our culture. Yeah, I love it. I'm so excited about this month. We've got a couple of great... uh, I don't know, scenarios and lessons and good things that we want to share with you all. And this is just going to be a fun way to go about doing that. Agreed. So this week, what are we talking about? So this week, we're going to talk about the um, the classification of uh, homosexuality as a mental illness. Oh, that's interesting, right? Mm-hmm. So I think this is a good place to start, right? Because I think for a very, 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 very 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 long time uh we've been led to believe that we are what all sorts of things pedophiles crazy all sorts of other things yes so because you have such a great history with all of the 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 psychos and all of that crazy stuff you're going to talk to us a little bit more in depth about what that means well, right we definitely don't call them psychos <laughs> <laughs> persons I, living with a mental illness <laughs> same diffs oh geez <laughs> Ten years, and this is as far as I've I'm, gotten. I'm being <laughs> funny, but I think Alfred Hitchcock would dis- disagree, right? Oh, dear. <laughs> All right. So in brief, as brief as I ever can be when I um, talk about these things, but so um, in the original Diagnostic and Statistic Manual, which is what drives um, the diagnoses uh, of mental illness, um, the DSM-1, the first version, classified homosexuality as a sociopathic personality disturbance. Then in the second version, um, after some uh, sort of research and political pushback, uh, the second version from 1968, um, homosexuality was reclassified as a sexual deviation. Now, what we're really going to talk about is how in 1973, there was a um, conference, a committee, a summit um, that came together and actually, um, uh, you know, based on research, um, depathologized homosexuality. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit. Um, but I just want to point out a couple of things to sort of put stuff in perspective because I think that's important. So first of all, um, according to uh, psychology, psychiatry in America, um, that uh, homosexuality was not depathologized until 1973. And what people also forget is that it wasn't until 1990 that the World Health Organization uh, removed homosexuality from the um, International Classification of Diseases, the ICD-10. The WHO. Um, yeah, <laughs> the WHO and the ICD-10, mm-hmm. um, which is actually how most people bill is the ICD-10, um, those codes. So that's why it's important to know that that wasn't until 1990 for them. 
Um, so let's get a little bit into the, the history of why uh, people thought homosexuality was uh, a disease. Um, and there were three major schools of thought uh, around this. One was that it was a pathology. One is that it was immaturity. And another is that it was like a normal variation. Um, there were theories that it was an intrauterine hormonal exposure issue, an issue related to excessive mothering, um, inadequate or hostile fathering, um, sexual abuse, um, all those sorts of things. Um, and that it was rooted in these gender beliefs of what it takes to be a true man or a true woman. Um, and so I think it's important to know the context around it um, and the big push to get it out of um, this classification was because all those things are not based in science um, and are more based in morality um, or religion. Hmm. So, um, but again, just to have a sense of what was going on at the time. So there was a very prominent um, psychiatrist and psychoanalyst um, named Ed Edmund Burglar. Um, and he wrote in his book, Homosexuality, Disease, or the Way of Life, and I'm going to quote it uh, here. I have no bias against homosexuals. For me, they are sick people requiring medical help. Still, though, I have no bias. I would say homosexuals are essentially disagreeable people, regardless of their pleasant or unpleasant outward manner. Their shell is a mixture of superciliousness, fake aggression, and whimpering. Like all psychic masochists, they are subservient when confronted with a stronger person, merciless when in power, unscrupulous about trampling on a weaker person. Okay, so, so that literally makes me want to take out my earrings and fight somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and understand that this book by this um, psychoanalyst and psychiatrist was meant for lay people. So this is what people were being told by so-called experts about what homosexuality so was. So that just goes to show that like the belief that gay people are like weaker than or anything or like erratic and irrational and all these other things like that. Like this is where all of that comes from. That's like insanity. Yeah, it's really. I mean, the word whimpering is used. I, I don't think I've ever whimpered in my entire life. <laughs> um, so the thing to know um, is that, um, again, like I said, it's pr it was primarily around religion, morality. Um, but as we get into the 19th century in Western culture, the, there was a shift from religious to secular authority. Um, and so same-sex behaviors like other, quote, sins um, received increased scrutiny from the law, medicine, psychiatry, civil rights people. Um, and so what you start to see is changes in the language. So instead of um, religious categories like demonic possession, drunkenness, and sodomy, we have more scientific categories of insanity, alcoholism, and homosexuality. Um, and a thing to sort of keep in mind is it mixed in, you know, it's kind of like when we talked about Leviticus, and you have to look at all the other things that are mixed in there, too, and how ridiculous they are. Um, not to slam my profession, but in the DSM was something called um, drapedomania. Um, which was a disorder of slaves who have a tendency to run away from their owner due to an inborn propensity for wanderlust. Okay. And that was considered a mental disorder. Not in the DSM, I'm sorry, but it was considered a mental disorder at the time. Hmm. Yeah, in the, um, in the 19th century. So, again, keeping those things sort of um, in the back of your mind, like, that's just ridiculous. We all know that's not a thing. Um, so then you have all these folks, uh, and I won't get into the whole history and all the research, but you have all these folks who start showing like research on um, 
you know, non-patients um, or what you might call lay people or normal. I hate that term, but, you know, people who are not receiving um, mental health um, services. You have all this research that shows that there is no higher levels of distress. There is no um, higher propensity for any other mental health issues. Um, and so you have this big um, symposium and the nomenclature committee, and they actually take a vote. And it's 58 percent of people who say that this is this should not be homosexuality should not be included in the DSM anymore. And um, it's funny because people like the um, uh, people who oppose that said, well, you can't science is not um, decided by a vote. And I just want to point out that in 2006, um, the International Astronomical Union voted that Pluto was not a planet. <laughs> and so science is subjective. Um, so interesting. Uh, yeah. So I think they have no argument. So then you go through like several more years, uh, about 14 years actually in total, of them just like relabeling homosexuality into other things like sexual orientation disturbance, all these other um, classifications. But eventually it's completely removed. It goes into ego dystonic homosexuality, like all kinds of stuff. Um, but it's eventually completely removed, but not till 1987. So you have 14 years of revisions. Um, and so why is this important? It's important because it's not until that happens that you actually start to see a global shift between 1987 and 1990 between the um, APA and the WHO. Um, that's when you start to see a cascade of things happening. So um, the repealing of sodomy laws that criminalized homosexuality, the enactment of laws that actually began to protect human rights for gay people, um, the ability of uh, LGBT personnel to serve in the military, marriage, civil unions, the facilitation of parents' adoption rights, um, the easing of gay spouse uh, rights of inheritance, um, and um, even religious denominations that start to allow openly gay people to serve in the clergy. And none of that happened until after this moment in history. So that's why I think it's important to know and that we talk about it and that it is a relevant piece of our hashtag gay history. I love it. Rainbow star, the more you know. <laughs> I love it, right? No, thank you so much for sharing that. And Tony, this is like where he lives his best life, where he gets to like do some research over things and present it to everybody and give them the opportunity to learn about it and, and, and know what's going on. So thank you so much for sharing that. And it's sure. great. So again, to Tony's point, every week throughout the month of June, we are going to give you guys another bit of hashtag gay history to celebrate Pride Month and World Pride Month, which is going to be absolutely amazing. Um, and thank you guys so much for all of this. If you have any other history or anything that you would like to share to us, make sure share with us. Make sure you let us know via social media. Of course, we are at Pod Relationship, and then you can also email us. We are relationshipquestions at gmail dot com. Um, and continue to send your hashtag Gay Relationship Goals because we'll make sure that uh, in the month of July we start up with that all over again. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we are going to try to solve the world's problems, Critelli style. Woohoo! Hello, listeners. As you may have heard, Tony and I have a weekly after show on IGTV called Relationship. <laughs> Get it? Relationship? Relationship? <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing. Keep going. Okay. Every week, Marco and I will talk about the podcast topic, the things we learned, and the way to use it in our relationship day-to-day. -day. Yep, our goal is to put a face to the topics and our message, as well as give you some extra relationship content and guidance. So make sure you're following us on Instagram. We are at podrelationship. And tune in every Wednesday. After you've listened to the episode. <laughs> yes, on IGTV for our weekly after show, Relationship. Comment, like it, tell your friends. 
All support is greatly appreciated. We look forward to having you see us there. (laughs) Bye. So we've kind of hit on this a few times in various episodes where uh, we just talk... we talk a little bit about gay culture and how uh, challenging it is and and how being gay could actually uh, hinder your self-esteem. It can actually be pretty traumatic towards it and it, and it could be uh, not very, very healthy <laughs> or yeah. very good. Competing priorities, competing identities, pressure, messaging. Yeah. So much, you know, um, we always talk about how, you know, coming out as gay is really, really hard because, you know, not only do you have to deal with this, you know, onslaught of, uh, of you know, feeling bad about yourself for being gay right because you're going against the bible and you know the family doesn't want you to feel this way or live this way and all of this other stuff right you you go through all that feeling bad about yourself for being gay then you get into gay world and then they make you feel bad for not the gay people make you feel bad about not being uh uh, an ideal gay person, right? right? You don't have the right body. You're not the right skin color. You don't have the right eyes. You don't have the best hair. You don't have a perfect job. You don't have the perfect boyfriend. You don't have the perfect group of friends. Um, you you know you don't have the perfect body hair length, like you know on all of these. And and it's really really hard. So a lot of gay people suffer from low self-esteem right and uh lash out in various ways so that they can uh kind of make themselves feel and or look better within gay culture because of of everything that's going on and and it's just hard right it's scary well yeah and you engage in all these sort of external behaviors when it's really an internal job you know so you know both positive and negative coping strategies so you know inappropriate or or excessive substance use um you know eating your feelings or even going to the gym too much you know, starving those, your feelings yeah those can be those can all be um really you know detrimental and self-esteem is about what's going on inside it's not about um putting things in your body or working on your body it's about working on yourself your mind yeah yeah your spirit whatever and it's crazy. So, um, yeah, today we're just going to talk about self-esteem within the gay world um, and and what that looks like um, and how we uh, manage it or don't manage it because some people are not very good at it while others are just okay at it. I don't know that anybody's perfect at it. I don't think anyone has it all figured out, but I think that there are a lot of... If you think you're perfect at it, then you're a narcissist. Yeah. (laughs) And you have too much self-esteem. There's a lot of variations on uh, its execution right now. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. So first of all, do you think that you have a healthy amount of self-esteem? I think I have a decent amount of self-esteem. I'm learning that the world is a much bigger place than I ever thought, and that possibility is much greater than I ever thought. And so while I don't think that I have low self-esteem i think that now i've learned the proportions um a little bit differently and that there's more that i need to do yeah um, i don't even need to ask you that question (laughs) i don't i mean i have i think i have self-esteem i don't know if it's a healthy amount of self-esteem i feel good about me and myself i know and understand the things that i want the things that um work for me the things that are good all the way down from you know do i do i think um so here's one thing i don't have uh intellectual self-esteem 
I think that my self-esteem is, uh, I, I think that intellectually I, I can hold my own, but I don't know necessarily that I have like all of the smarts that I wish I had. Um, and I don't even know what that means, to be completely honest with you. I don't, I don't know how I can judge. I read. I watch the news. You know what it is? I don't retain information very well. And that really bothers me. I don't know why I can read news and I can uh, read news. I can watch the news. I can read news stories. I can learn about things. But for some strange reason, like my brain is just not very good at like when I need to pull that information at a later date. (laughs) I don't remember anything that I read or learned. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have to go back and reread books because I'm like, I don't remember all of the details. You're not the only one. I think for me with you, it's a you're not a drops in the bucket kind of guy you are like all in task at hand until you've completely burnt it out and now that you're done with it you discard all of it and i don't mean that in like a negative way i just mean like i'm done with that information like i did what i needed to do with it so i don't Mm. think that you're not intelligent and can't retain things i think it's you quickly synthesize what you need and you disregard the rest maybe i don't know that's my only thing as far as like i feel fine with my appearance my body i would like to fix but I'm happy with my body. Your body's not broken. No, my body. It, it, it is in certain places. Um, but no. It's my I, husband you're talking I, about. No, there are just certain parts of my body. Like, what I, I like, I have no desire. Like, look, I'm, I'm tall. I am thinner, you know, kind of thing like that. And, and I am completely comfortable with my body as far as that goes. Um, I don't enjoy how soft my body is these <laughs> days and so that is something that i am working on but it doesn't cause me to have low self-esteem like i don't have low self-esteem because of it it's just something that like i goal myself at like trying to like be better mm. um i think i have great self-esteem with like my friends and my family and like my ability to interact with people and and do all that stuff so my self-esteem is i i think i have decent self-esteem Again, I don't know if I would define it as like healthy. I, I would love for you know a professional to help <laughs> me figure it out, um, but for the most part, I think it's good. Um, why do you think that uh, we as gay people, like what other parts of our self esteem is at risk, be- with being in gay culture? Well, I mean. For a lot of us, being rejected by the things that brought you in the world and that are supposed to care for and nurture you, that'd that'd be a pretty damning blow to your self-esteem. Sure. Um, Having a sense of being other at any point in your life, especially when you are young, is really challenging and can be a huge problem for self-esteem. Ongoing discrimination can be continual reminders of why you should have low self-esteem, which you shouldn't, but that's the experience of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, then and then living through that and finally breaking free, but not actually doing the work to repair the damage that was done is a problem. So it's one thing to stop getting an onslaught of negativity because now you're like in your community, but it's completely another to rebuild what they broke. Yeah, and and a lot of us don't do that work, and so that's how we get into the gay scene. And it's oh, good, I'm liberated, I'm free. Now I'm going to do a bunch of drugs and alcohol, and have a bunch of sex, and I'm going to go to the gym because this is what I'm supposed to look like. And you know, it's easy to fall into that trap. It's you poor thing, you've been rejected for so long. We'll accept you, but only if you do these things. Hmm. You know, 
Um, I remember. So one of the other elements that I do have uh, self esteem in is is my race, and my mm. skin color. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I remember when I first moved to Florida and I was like trying to uh, get into the gay dating scene. I remember I was consistently getting rejected because uh, I would have a lot of guys tell me that they weren't into black guys. And I thought that that was so weird because I was like, wait, that's a thing. Like people say that to people. Um, And I remember for a minute, it literally was like a minute. I was like, wow, like that sucks. Like what? holy shit like am i not good and and then i like got over it and i was like fuck these people like i don't like i'm not they're lost yeah like i don't i don't really care because the basic white boys that you're gonna go after are not me and i and i know that (laughs) and they'll never be as good as me um so it's fine whatever but i i didn't i didn't care but at the same time it it was also kind of like a like it was it was like a a prick you know where it's kind of like ooh, ouch like that's not okay yeah um and so that can affect your self-esteem right because well and not everyone's experience of racism is you know as brief as yours yeah so that was very interesting um but yeah i think for the most part i have a self-esteem within and it's crazy and i you know i struggle with uh understanding people who don't have self-esteem like one of our closest erica for example got that girl's got so much self-esteem it's 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 incredible yeah uh, and it's great but you know i do have other friends that uh don't that don't have as much self-esteem like they're not as confident or uh comfortable in their own skin and it, and it's really uh it's really difficult to witness and it's really challenging for me to comprehend hmm. i did not have great self-esteem growing up uh at all i had a very poor self-image i was um very depressed um you know, uh, so so I Where did understand that come it. from? I, you know, I think I came by it honestly. It's in my family. There's mm. mental health issues all over my family. There's addiction all over my family. I think I came by it honestly. Um, I think the difference is that, you know, I chose to do something about it. And it took decades, um, you know. But, um, you know, I love myself. Um, I am able to love myself enough to have a really great relationship Uh, I'm able to love myself enough to take risks and to know what I'm worth. I'm able to raise that bar uh, whenever I feel so inclined. Um, And I know that reality is what I make of it and that no one can buoy me up or pull me down unless I give them permission to do it. Mm. But it took me a very, very long time to understand even one of the most basic of those statements. Mm. A very long time. So I get it. I don't begrudge anyone. Yeah. Um, you know, I still struggle with, uh, you know, just like not being depressed. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a daily struggle for me. I mean, I wake up, I feel grateful. I do things that I know will fight the natural feelings of depression that I have. You know, people always get on me. They're like, you know, why are you always so early to everything? I'm like, oh, I hate being late. And that's true. I do hate being late. But part of my self-care is walking around in sunshine. Like, I know that's good for me. Mm. So by being early, I get to walk around in the sunshine. Even when it's cold out, it's still, I know it's good for me. And the act of moving, I know, is good for me. Um, because I know I, I get stagnant. And so I just sure. have to move. Um, so learning those things about myself helped me to fake it till you make it, if you will. 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, so lots of practice. That's, that's the short answer. So let me ask you a question, uh, another question. If there was, so this is kind of a superficial question, but if there was one physical part of your body that you would change to help increase your physical self-esteem, what would it be? Nothing. There has to be something. At no. least something. No, uh, the way you phrased it, no. There's nothing that I would change that would increase my physical self-esteem. There's not. Hmm. There's nothing. Not not my physical self-esteem. Are there things about my body that I would change? Yeah, sure. Sure. But I'm not going to undergo surgery for them, and I'm not, not going to expect them to make me feel better. We're talking, like, hypothetical. Like, completely hypothetical. Like, is there something on... What on your body would you change, and you would be, like, like that much more confident? Not even, like, that much more confident and comfortable because that was adjusted. Um. Well, now that you put it that way... Um I definitely enjoyed all the compliments I got when we were not drinking and we were exercising a lot to prepare for our wedding. I definitely got, I really enjoyed those compliments about uh, losing weight um, and just feeling and looking better. Mm. That was great. Mm -hmm. That was nice. Yeah. See, that's good. And and that would just make you feel a little bit, and again, that would just increase your physical self-esteem just a little bit just because you knew that you were in a healthy position, like from a weight standpoint. Mm -hmm. That's good. I, um... I think about this all the time and uh, I there I don't I don't know the only thing that I can ever come like fully come up with is if I my hair loss Mm. uh, my hair loss in my head not because I think that not I can't imagine you not bald you know it's weird right Um, not because I feel like uh hair would make me feel more confident in myself because i probably would be bald even if i could grow my hair but i don't like not having the option Mm. i don't like that it was decided for me (laughs) like it makes me really really angry um and so i think that just being able to have the hair because like for example like if we you know when i need to go out and uh, I need to make sure that I look good. I, if my hair needs, like, if I need to shave my head, um, it's because, like, I don't grow hair on the very top. I grow it on the sides, but I don't grow it on the very, very top. And that bothers me. So, but if hair grew everywhere, I could get away with right. not shaving right, my right, head right, right, and right. still be completely fine, right? Because it all looks fine. But I have to shave my head. I have to carve out that time to do it because of the fact that if I don't do it, then it looks messy. Mm. It doesn't look good. So that would probably be the only thing that I would adjust to, like, boost a a little bit of self-esteem. And I think would be really good. Um, So we read a few articles that uh, were helpful. Uh, the first one is by psychologytoday.com, which we absolutely love. And honestly, I'm not even going to read about this, uh, read or talk a ton about this, because I, I think it would slightly be an insult to a lot of your intelligence, uh, you, the listener. 
But this is an article about like the definition of self-esteem. The writer um, literally just goes through and talks about like the definition of confidence. Um, I really like the definition of confidence, by the way. It says confidence in one's value. Confidence in one's value as a human being is a precious psychological resource and generally a highly positive factor in life. It is correlated with achievement, good relationships, and satisfaction. Uh, and so I liked that. I mm-hmm. just thought that that was a really, really good outline. It talks a little bit about narcissism and what narcissism is. Um, it talks about self-esteem, how self-esteem can influence life in a myriad of ways, from academic and professional success to relationships and mental health. Self-esteem, uh, however, is not an immutable characteristic. Successes or setbacks, both personal and professional, can fuel fluctuations in feeling of self, feelings of self-worth. Um, so I thought that that was interesting. So it's it's a nice, easy, like super light read, but it just kind of gives like a very uh, basic understanding and overview of uh, the feelings of self esteem and confidence and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we read um, an article on Psych Central, um, which is the one that I really really like, um, and it's just different techniques on how to raise your self esteem. Um, so, um, you know, one that I already touched on getting sober, right? So, um, when it's, when it's an addiction, when it is interfering with your ability to function, when it is having a negative impact on your life, getting sober can be super helpful. Um, and I know, like I said, I really enjoyed it when you and I were sober for several months, uh, because there was a ton of great health benefits. Sure. Um, the next one, practicing self-care. This is the one I always tell you about. Uh, you are very much a self-maintenance, not a self-care person. Mm. Um, and you need to take care of yourself. Um, you know, but practicing self-care is extremely important. Why There's would actually, I take care of myself if I married somebody that's supposed to take care of me? I am not supposed to take <laughs> care of you. <laughs> you are definitely funny. supposed to take care of yourself. I'm being funny. Um, I am here to support you. <laughs> but well, when does that kick in? Oh, jeez. About 10 years ago, bitch. Um, <laughs> I'm just being funny. Um, but there's actually a ton of really great research on wellness and mindfulness um, that's always been around, but it's getting more empirical um, backing behind it that shows like how it can fight like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And, you know, it can lead to like really concrete achievements like higher salaries, like just really, um, really great stuff. But self-care is is super important. And a lot of people in, in the field of social work know about the importance of self-care and, and burnout and things like that um, but so many people in other industries don't because um, it's not uh, something that we really teach um, so figure out what your self-care is it could be a nice long hot bath it could be a walk um, you know it could be a conversation with a particular person that you really like it could be reading I mean it could be anything but figure out what your self-care is and engage in it uh, at a frequency that you feel you you need 100 percent um, identifying your triggers to low self-esteem. Um, I can tell you that usually these are people. <laughs> um, at least for me, they are. Um, but events uh, as well and, and magazines and things, you know, just finding out what is it, you know, so social media, like what, what, what triggers you to feel low self-esteem? Sure. You know, um, you know, they call it slowing down from personalizing. I would say take a break from personalizing. Um, this was a big one for me uh, that like super helped my self esteem when I stopped because um, it is it is really um, egocentric to think that these things are actually about you. Mm. They're usually not, um, and when you realize that they're actually not, you can be liberated uh, a lot more. So like. 
Marco uh, is really mad at me right now, and it's because of something I did, and he's mad at me. And what I don't realize is 30 seconds before I entered the room, and he gave me the look that made me think those things, he stubbed his toe. Right? That has nothing to do with me. So don't personalize it and really seek to understand how it has nothing to do with you. Like, you're just the person who crossed that firing path in that moment. I don't appreciate you making people think that I'm clumsy or something. And you just stubbed, stubbed your toe, toe once. Just the once. I don't stub my toe. You stubbed your toe the other day. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, stop and take notice. I tell you this one uh, as well. Um, but awareness, smelling the flowers, but also interrupting the cycle, like knowing what you're feeling in that moment and like just sitting with it for a moment before, um, you know, before overreacting. Yeah, it's something that I'm working on right now. I'm trying to work on like taking breaths before a response. Yes, I recently told someone that there is no question in the universe that is so important that it can't wait for one breath. Mm. Um, And I do firmly believe that. So the minute you feel like you have to blurt something out or react, just know you have enough time to take one breath. For sure. Um, Acknowledge reaction. Again, I think this sort of uh, follows that same line. You know, I always laugh at myself and say, oh, I'm doing that thing again. Um, you know, just that here I go again kind of moment. Here I go again. I knew again you were going to do that. Um, you know, so try to be, um, what they talk about is to actively do something with that awareness as opposed to just passively noting it. Um, which, you know, it's, it's important to get to the step where you can note it, but then the next skill to build is to actually do mm. something about it. Um, choose response. Um, so hold self-defeating impulses, act in a self-caring way, um, by choosing to act in more functional ways, it's, you know, it it leads to better self-esteem. So choose how you respond. Um, and I always think that that's so much fun. The word responsibility, it's literally the ability to respond. Like Mm. you have the power, you have the choice. So as you continue down these sort of skill sets, like you have the ability to, um, to choose how you're going to. Um, respond kind of in the same family of skill set for me is the next one um, which is accepting the impulse like you're always going to especially if you've had trauma you're always going to have a reaction you're always going to have an impulse you're always going to have a lash out you're always going to have a feeling that occurs take a beat make space for that to exist because you have to honor it because it is happening but also give it a moment because just because it happens doesn't mean you have to respond from that space sure you can put things back in a perspective before you respond absolutely um develop uh different skills um and they get into some different uh skills um i don't want to get into uh all of them um but uh, i would definitely say take a look at um the uh the definitions for these things about experiencing feelings having optional thinking uh detachment assertion and receptivity um cuz i do think that they are good skills and they're important i also think that you should if you're interested in it 
um, look at this article for a quick definition of them and then uh, add that to a you know an internet search and put in like techniques or activities um, because these are things that because they're skills you can build them um, and so having activities to do um, would help you to build those skills absolutely absolutely 100% and you know I think at the end of the day self-esteem is a constant uh, work, right? You're always going to progress and figure it out. Uh, you know, they always say that, uh, like your 20s, for example, is learning. Your 30s is about execution. Your 40s is about comfortability. Your 50s is it is like not caring anymore. Like it's just doing what you want to do. So I think that self-esteem kind of works that way, right? You have to learn everything in your 20s, your 30s. You try to put that self-esteem into uh, execution. Your 40s is your comfortability. That's when you really own who you are as a human being. Your 50s is when you're like, you know what? This is who I am. Take it or leave it kind of situation. Situation mm. so that you can slide into your 60s and you're like this is me i love it yeah yeah that's great. so there's one other uh article that we looked at um it's from um tom therapy.com tom brewitt is a therapist a, a, a licensed marriage and family therapist in san francisco um working primarily with um gay and lesbian uh individuals and couples um and he has a a lot of good resources on his website, uh, but one of them is how to improve your self-esteem specifically for gay men. Um, I will tell you that while I do think that this hits on um, a number of issues that are um, um, shared by gay people, I do not think that these are universal um, or solely to gay people. I think that these, I'm sorry, I don't think they're solely to gay people. I think they are universal to anyone with self-esteem issues. However, they are still excellent um, and helpful. Um, so the um, first one, uh, love yourself, flaws and all, easier said than done um but i would say that's a pretty darn good place to start because if you can do that you'll have an abundance of self-esteem sure um uh he does um uh talk about using affirmations um which i find to be uh really helpful i am the shit <laughs> um and he gives some examples of affirmations some people find them to be a little hokey a little quirky um, I like to make a game of them. Um, I like to write down a whole bunch of them that are meaningful to me. And whenever I am feeling low, I'll reach into the bag or wherever they are and on the notes on my phone or whatever. And I'll grab a random one. And almost invariably, it's the one I needed. Um, and I and I find there to be a nice connection uh, in doing that. So just some examples. I deserve to have a supportive, loving, and kind partner. I'm enough just as I am today. One of my personal favorites. Um, asking for help makes me stronger. Um, so just, you know, take a look at those other affirmations um, as well. Um, and uh, what he does at the end of the article is he challenges you um, to print out a list, create something of your own, kind of what I was just challenging you to do, um, making a commitment to something in this article, whether it is one of the practices that he talks about, uh, whether it is the actual affirmations, um, and to actually take some action. So going back to earlier, recognizing that this might be helpful advice to you is a great first step. The next step is taking an action, doing something about it. Absolutely. Great. That was awesome. Um, and I would love to hear from our listeners regarding their self-esteem practices. Like, What do you do to yourself to help you feel um, 
amazing, right? Feel good and confident and comfortable in your own skin. What do you have to give to yourself? Sometimes for me, it's dance parties. I like to dance a little bit and just like wiggle all of that stuff out and just like be in touch with who I am as a person uh, based off of the dance. Um <laughs> Which is great. You know, sometimes it's, you know, it's singing. Sometimes it's sleeping because <laughs> sleeping is an awesome opportunity to press reset for a little bit. Right. And take all of those ridiculous thoughts that, you know, tend to creep into your head every once in a while and uh, clearing them out so that you feel good and you feel confident and you feel nice when you wake up. Right. Mm-hmm. So I like those things. So we just have to make sure that we're giving ourselves what we need. And then at the end of the day, you can help build your self-esteem in a way that is right and works for you. Awesome. Well, I think that's a good place to stop. I would agree. Awesome. Let's take a teensy weensy short break, um, but we'll be back in just a bit. Hello, Hello, listeners. listeners. We are here to present a fun opportunity to you. Do you know of a queer couple that you want us to feature on the show? If so, send an email to relationshipquestions at gmail.com or tag us on social media at Pod Relationship. Tony and I may feature this couple on one of our episodes. We want to thank you for joining us each week and for helping to make this podcast the success that it is. We are going to get back to the show, but we look forward to connecting with each and every one of you. And we look forward to highlighting more of these queer relationships that you love. Enjoy the rest of the show. Bye! Bye. So I feel like I say this every single week you about do. how excited I am for this interview, <laughs> but I... He's easily excitable. Why? It's true. I'm very excitable. <laughs> but I literally have been looking forward to this interview since the day we met because um, we, you know, guest of the podcast from last season came on here, Marie and Owen. Shout out to Marie and Owen. I love them. Awesome. Love them. <laughs> they uh, introduced us to today's guests and... Uh, during that dinner, we just had such a fascinating conversation and time getting to know one another. Um, and it was it was just such an, an incredible opportunity to bring you guys together. And we've been planning it for like a month and a half, but we finally were able to make it happen. And I like it. But I'm, of course, talking about uh, our new friends, <laughs> Sean and Molly O'Connor. Gazay O'Connor. See, I already messed it up. I already messed it up. We were just having a conversation about this. But welcome, Sean and Molly. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank Hi. You. Thank you for having us. And we've been excited, too. Like, that night was just, there's not enough time. Magical. Yeah. There really wasn't enough time in that night. And it's really funny because prior to even recording, the four of us literally just started getting into all types of conversation where we were like, holy shit, we need to just, like, press record and, like, and just, just go. happen. So yeah. Some of this has been slightly rehearsed. Yeah. <laughs> we promise we'll try to make it as organic as possible. Well, <laughs> um, guys, tell us all about you. Tell us where you're from. Well, actually, in relationship tradition, what we do is have you guys introduce each other. So, Sean, do us a favor and introduce your lovely wife. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. Uh, so, my lovely wife is Molly Gazay O'Connor. 
she is incredible. Uh, this goes without saying. Uh, I met her in San Francisco. Uh, she's a performer. She's an actress, songwriter. Uh, pretty much, I don't know if there's anything you don't do. <laughs> I don't program. She doesn't program. I don't, that is true. I, I, don't, I don't touch that. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, can I tell you one of the things that I'm so... You have such a fascinating face to me. Oh. I think that your face is so... Um, I, you have, like, a really strong jawline. You have really beautiful, like, eyes. Like, I just, like, you're, like, a really... I was, like, looking at you, and I was like, I could see why she's in movies and things like that, because you probably have, like, an amazing face for camera. Oh, thank you. I, I love it. Yeah. There really is no one like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Molly, if you could introduce Sean to us. Sure. So, uh, this is Sean Gaze O'Connor, and I met him also in San Francisco, ironically. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we met on a dating app, um, and uh, I knew the minute I saw the back of his head that I wanted to marry him. Ah. I didn't even see his face. That's so I, fascinating. I saw the back of his head. You have a thing for What Jesus? if I turned around and I look like I the elephant man? Would this still have been a thing? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It could have. Yeah, the I, back of his head, like, not the entire back of his frame. No, no. Just the back of his head. He had his back to me, and I, I don't, I was more, I dated a lot of like, Latin guys, mm-hmm. so and Greek guys, mm-hmm. and I had never dated a ginger before, <laughs> and so but red I just... hair reels them in. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I have a fascination with gingers. Like really? I'm a huge fan of gingers for whatever reason. That's why like Tony has red in his beard, and I was like, let it grow. Oh, <laughs> I need to be able to like see it all the time. I'm like such a fan. So I oh, I like I get it because whenever so I see a ginger, I'm always like like even ginger women. I always say they have beautiful hair. Oh yeah, absolutely gorgeous. gorgeous. Just, Red and I just love it, so I, no, I can see where it comes from. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so, so tell us a little. Okay, you guys met on a dating app. I want to hear, like, give us like the Cliff Notes version of this story. How did that happen? Do you want to start love? Um, sure. So I had been on OkCupid twice mm-hmm. and had like okay experiences, and um, it's OkCupid. Hence, okay, cute. Okay, Cupid. They were just okay. <laughs> they were okay. It's not okay. great, Cupid. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, and so Sean, I I went on a couple of dates with a bunch of people and um, dated a guy. They went back on. Um, and I did a month of yes, and I just said I'm gonna go out on any date that I am like semi attracted to the person. I'll go Dutch and um, just see what I like because I wasn't quite Love sure it. I knew what I wanted. Hmm. And it taught me a lot about what I wanted in relationships and, like, seeing, seeing like, um, a, a thing in a person that really sparked my interest, but also not see, like, it, getting the whole picture. It was like, mm. I like this about you, but I don't like everything else. Sure. Or, like, it's just not for me. Sure. So then when Sean messaged, I was like, he's cute. Okay, we'll go on a date. And um, he came to a show I was doing called Zomberlesque. And I Love was it. dressed as like a nerdy Steve Urkel type uh, with uh, red from Fraggle Rock on my hand. She was a puppet. Love it. I'm, I'm so fascinated. <laughs> I need to see this show. This is such foreplay. I have a <laughs> Getting into it. We have a, we have a rule, no puppets in bed. Oh, yeah. That's a good, that's a good rule. rule. Yeah. Good I was like, rule. I don't want my childhood to I'm just it. hoping it's a rule that age withers away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. 
we'll see what happens. Bermuda was interesting. So. I, just, I was just surprised you responded because, like, my OK Cupid profile, my pictures were not very uh, kind. I literally oh. looks like Ron Weasley mixed with Shaggy, mixed with like Malachi from Children of the Corn. I can oh see God. it. I can <laughs> see it. Yeah, no, totally. You know who else you look like, and, and maybe you it's just the red hair, but you look like Owen Hunt from Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I am amazed that you said that. You look like you, but like you actually look like him like that's the <laughs> like could be related yeah like that's the craziest thing ever I love he gets it. Ed Sheeran all the time oh, I'm sure. so I thought that's what you were gonna say oh that's like we were in Bermuda and some uh, for a vacation and this guy comes up to him and goes you look just like Ed Sheeran can I take a picture with you to send my friend that's so yeah funny. It's no so I would look I at never... you and I would be like Dr. Owen Hunt oh that's my crazy. god no. I love it that's so fun I love nah. it. you're I handsome as hell so. So, what's the beard it's because I just had a goatee which I never I have no idea why I ever would have done that to myself. Uh, but the beard really helped. Yeah. So, so Zomberless. So we, I, he came. And so it was so funny. So like I was, I wrote, I wrote most of it. I directed it and I was acting in it. And I was also producing with two other girls and it was insane. And everything's going on. My two, two best friends are there and they're also in the show. And my sister's there. She's also in the show. And Katie, my sister comes up to me and goes, some guys helping us load out. And I was like, no, don't let any guy, like random guy off the street do that. Like, why would you do that? And this like, is the well, tenderloin in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. so we should oh, also throw I should also put that out there. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Thank you. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, no, don't do that. And um, they, it, Christine and Jonathan and Katie were like, but he says he knows you. And I'm like, I don't know that asshole. Like, just because he says he knows me does not mean. You don't know me. You don't know me. Right. And so, like, they're like, but he says you're going on a date with him tonight. And I was like, oh, shit, we're, I'm going on a date tonight. What? <laughs> I completely forgot. She was so engrossed in the production of everything that she forgot about our date, which is kind of foreshadowing of our relationship, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> I love it. No. But she did warn me. She did say that, you know, I love you. And I, as much as I can love a human being, you will always be second to my career in acting. <laughs> I was honest and upfront about that. It's true. Very I, honest. I did that with my husband. I said, just so you know, I love you. But you will always come after my brother and sister because they are my favorite people in the world. So it, it doesn't matter what time they call me or when they call me. I'm answering the phone. No. So just, just get used to it. That's the same Could in be our honest. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And it works because my brother and sister love him too. So Aww. it just it works out that way. Uh, so you guys ended up going on the date then? Yeah. So okay. We went on a date and we walked around San Francisco and it was like misting and we literally walked for like three hours and um, we... I think it was a lot longer than that, I think it was... Because we got out around 9.30 and we didn't get back to like two. Oh yeah, you're right. So it was long. (laughs) And he was like, you know, I can have two drinks, but I got to go home. And I was like, yeah, sure. Okay, here. (laughs) And I don't even really drink, but I did it because I... Yeah, Susan. I, I couldn't say no to her. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. She was telling me about her favorite pizza place at the very beginning of the night, and then somehow we magically ended up there, even though it was like two and a half miles away. Interesting. <laughs> it's amazing. You sound magical. Like you're like some sort of like witch in another life where you like make all these things happen that you love. I like it. Yeah, I mean, she does. probably. Yeah. I like it. And you guys yeah. have been together ever since. Um. I had a interesting breakup a few months prior. Uh, I would say about four or five months before we met, and I was just like, it was one of those relationships where, like, you know, we got together because it made sense. Like, it wasn't magic. There wasn't butterflies. It was just 
this makes sense. And as we were together, we realized, okay, this is ridiculous. You shouldn't be with somebody just because it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And um, But I started to feel that that whole romantic chemistry was like a high school thing, and it just mm-hmm. dies. And when you get older, you just get you just wake up to that, and that's it. Um, so then um, I had some really good friends that I made that uh, were in the Burning Man community. We went out, And I went out to Burning Man, and I was like, I'm just going to party my butt off. And, like, I really want to – like, I've always been, like, the family-like type person. I've always just wanted one other person in my life. I've always been the hopeless romantic. But I was like, well, that's not in the cards for me, so just party. I'm going to turn into Barney Stenson. And, <laughs> and that's it, you there know? You yeah, so I was like, I'll just party. But then I went to Burning Man, and, I, you know, I tried to party. And it was, like, the first night, most magical kind of night you could imagine, like, you would think when you go. Met this beautiful uh, blonde girl from South Africa. We had and I running around, and we were going to go back to her tent. And I wasn't into it at all. Mm. Like, it was just one of those nights where I was like, this isn't me. This is not what I want. I'm not a partier. I'm not one of these people. I want more. I want something that grows. And I just, I'm not that. So I spent the whole rest of um, of Burning Man just kind of just getting to know people. And it was wonderful. And um, when I got back, um, I was like, okay, I know who I am. And even if I spend my rest of my life trying to find that other person, then that's just who I have to be. Mm. Um, and... And then that's when I went on OkCupid, and I created my profile, and I uh, had reached out to Molly. And um, when we met up, I was exhausted. I'd worked like a 12-hour day that day, and I was just – I was burnt. I was like, I don't want my first impression after a really good correspondence back and forth to be tired me. So I was going to reschedule. Like, I wasn't going to cancel, but, you know, sometimes those things don't work out. And Mm. um, But I had actually met the girl from Burning Man at the mall on the way to see her. On the way to see Molly. The blonde South African. Yeah. Wow. wow and awesome. it was crazy. And we had this conversation and it just like encouraged me that, yeah, that that is like, no, you have to go to this date. You cannot miss this date. And it just reconfirmed. It. And so I'm glad I never missed that date. And then, and then you saw the front of her head and you knew that was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that, though, Sean, because I've kind of always been programmed the same way that you have been. Like, even in the prime of like my date, I went on a lot of first dates but like if I wasn't into it I never went on second dates I never slept with anybody like I just was always I went on a lot of first dates but like I just was never the person that um that that was okay with like giving myself to any and everybody in that way I made out with a lot of people that I would not (laughs) deny Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) but I just was I just never was that person so that's why when I met Tony and I met him I was like oh yeah this is the one like I I just knew it there were just no two ways about it yeah and it it just you felt it yeah because like that the thing is and and she was um, the the South African girls beautiful I don't know if I should use names or whatever but she um, and she was wonderful but it was all aesthetics like we did not have any connection there was no you know and it kind of reminded me of the relationship I was in the past where it was like okay you know it's made sense it made sense Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah if it wasn't for Molly and like she did she brought those butterfly back and I realized that that chemistry is real and it's not just a high school romance chemical BS that disappears it's it's real that's what it was about Tony it's like I just like I felt something I like that first meeting I like felt it like I couldn't stop thinking about him and I just felt it and I was like it, this is it this is this is where I am right well, now. Well and ours wasn't instantaneous was yours? Um 
Well, Mine that's was. an interesting story. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we're gonna hear it. So that that night on the date, you were licking him up. So you I was could, licking yeah. him up, uh-huh. and then um, he walked me to my friend Jonathan's house, who you guys met. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I was staying with him that night, and um, I really liked him a lot. And I was worried because you're in the tenderloin again. We basically made a full circle. <laughs> Um, and it was really late, and so I shoved him in a taxi and gave him two hugs. She jumps and- out into the street, basically, to hail this taxi. So I'm like, wow, she really wants to get rid of me. Like- yeah, <laughs> but I really liked him a lot. And um, that night I went upstairs and I told Jonathan I found my soulmate. Like, And wow. I was like, I just knew. But then he didn't call me for three days. It was no. two days. No, it, it was, was three. It was three. Oh, I love a good uh, two and a half. <laughs> a good maybe. story. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Now, the date didn't end until after two in the morning, so All carry right, the logistics. one. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Mr. Logistics. <laughs> but it felt like forever. And, um, I had a lot of hearts to break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. That I'm here for. <laughs> I love it. I was dating someone at the time, too. Were you? Yeah, so I was breaking hearts as well, babe. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I was. I was dating this guy who was nice, but, like, and he really liked me, and I had to call him and tell him, like, I... I met my person and he was like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. And I really think that that person's out there for you too. But like, it's not me. And he's like, Oh, okay. (laughs) And I was like, I mean, I just want to be honest with you. Like I I can't like Matt. There you go. So, and so how long have you guys been together? Seven years. And how long have you been married? Uh, for two and a half. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's about. That's right. Tony and I've been together ten. Yeah, almost married for three. So yeah, it's like nice. Right yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're right in the same there. ballpark there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how would you guys define your relationship? Is it monogamous? Like where? Like where? If you could define it, I think that's the thing. Is that um, so? Like you know, definitely being San Francisco people and that kind of stuff, we've been exposed to a lot of different types of relationships. Uh, but I feel like. We're definitely not poly. We would never go out and actively look for things, but we will seize moments. Okay. So if we're at a festival and we're in a cuddle puddle and things get a little bit more, you know, serious, then that's awesome. We'll roll with it. But I don't think it's like, we're not actively looking for that stuff. I love it. But I love the term cuddle puddle. That is like, <laughs> I know, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> that is brilliant. But I mean, would you say that's fair? Like, yeah, I mean, like, we've both been in orgies. We both had, se- I don't know if you've had sex with men, but I've had sex with women. Like... I, I wouldn't I, I like the idea of not a non-defined idea because it is like that. It's just if it feels good and it feels right and we're both okay with it yeah. and we check in with each other and we're in our relationship we're really good about communication. Hmm. Um, and like are you okay? Are you feeling safe? Are you doing this? And you know like there's a lot of that even like non-verbal hmm. verbally. So like I guess I like the idea of it not being a defined relationship because it keeps things open it keeps things um connected to how we both feel about the situation Mm -hmm. and there's no rule there's no like you can't do this or you can't do that even the puppet rule i'm sure again (laughs) (laughs) the puppet rule stands (laughs) let me let me ask um so does this this only happens when you're together does it happen when you're apart too? Well, I mean, before you, I'm sorry, before no. you guys even get into that, because that's a great question. Yeah. I, I kind of want to take a step back a little bit and say, th- how would you identify then? Do, are you bisexual, pansexual? Like, uh, maybe pan. 
I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's really difficult because I feel like, and I, I mean, I, don't, I can't speak for everybody, but I do want to believe that everybody has the ability to be sexually turned on by anybody if emotional connection is enough. Mm. So even if you are not naturally attracted to a male or female, that if the connection is real, it can get there. I know, like, even, like, um, men who uh, may not be gay, but they just have a camaraderie. There's that curiosity that begins to spark, mm, you sure. know? I do. A lot of pirates did that on boats. Sure. I, I do believe. Hence the term butt pirate. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... Buggery, right? <laughs> I think within <laughs> itself, though, I, I think because I don't know that I would identify myself as pansexual. I will say that Nicole Scherzinger could get it at any time. If she, wanted <laughs> she is beautiful. Gal Gadot, you can give her my yes. phone number as well. She's right? beautiful. Gorgeous. Like I am just obsessed with them. But I think the way that you both were describing kind of like the feelings and like being in the moment sounded pansexual to yeah. me but I, I think that would be like a dictionary definition but I didn't know how you guys I think we just would never rule anything out mm. yeah. and that's like the thing that. is I don't think there's anything I could say definitively like I mean because there's so many I mean I think as you get older too you realize a lot of things that you might think you would never do mm-hmm. become new opportunities because you've explored those other fields yeah. so sure. I don't think we could ever rule anything out no. sure. So back to Tony's question then, like, does this happen? Does this happen? Oh, I don't know what's happening outside right now. So it sounds kind of fun, right? (laughs) But do you guys, so does this happen together? Does it happen separately? Does it, I mean, a little from column A, a little from column B? So we've been monogamous since we've been in a relationship. So those opportunities have not really arisen, really. No. Um, I mean, I've made out with a lot of girls and, you know, stuff since we've been together. But like not like we haven't um, we haven't like. And you have a friend who's been very um, sexually active around us. Yeah. Uh, but that hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah. Okay. So uh, She's wanted things to happen, but like yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I guess like since we've been together, the only thing that I've really done has been made out with a lot of women because um, I find women gorgeous and beautiful and sexy and amazing and there's something about making out too that yeah. is just so yeah. magical well, i i just love it yeah. yeah i used to go to a festival called brushwood here in new york and i loved it, it was my introduction to the whole burning crowd and, and mm. they were incredible because they had a snuggle tent right and you're only allowed to snuggle and make out in the snuggle tent mm. no sex um and the reason for it is because you know a lot of people will do ecstasy and they don't want to have the idea that they're like you know or people mm. like you know preying on people mm-hmm. that are rolling um, so the idea is if you want that, then you both have to agree and go somewhere else, but you can't do it there. Mm, and it I was like great because since there was that. no expectations, you could just enjoy the moment, mm. you know? Um, yeah. So I, I just it. love a good makeout. We did an episode last season about like the art of the last great makeout and like being with your partner. And when was the last time that you just like made out with no other expectations? Yeah, just yeah. sat with each other and just like made out and like connected by your tongues yeah. right and like, absolutely. just had a really good time with that and and i i think it is a lost art right yeah. like I, mean, yeah. I think you get in relationships and things become so mundane and very like i, I actually I take that word back it's not mundane but it becomes very regimented and or scheduled yeah. and, and very like coupled yeah, right it becomes and, and, expected almost yeah, yeah. Like and this not pattern and not passionate and like 
you know, out of nowhere, like, yeah. oh my god, we're just like <laughs> making out while watching a movie right now. Like, yeah, when's the last time you've done that? Mm-hmm. It's true. Well, like I think going back to Tony's question, like, um, while I don't see us doing things with other people when we're not together, yeah, that's not something that I can't say would not happen in the future when we're much older. You know, um, I don't know if you guys ever watched Bob's Burgers, but there's a great episode about that. Yeah, uh, with Bob's uh, or with Linda's parents, yeah. but um, <laughs> but like I don't think we're in a place where we could do that. I I definitely I, I know I'm not emotionally. Yeah. I'm definitely not in a place for that. Um, to do things with other people when we're not together. Yeah. Um, I feel like we have to have that at least first. And we may never be the kind of people that can do things with other people when we're not together, which I'm okay with. But at the same time, we never rule anything out because when you're 70 and 80 and you're starting to find new things, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sean, are, are you... I know, so you've made out with women. Yes, you've been doing that. <laughs> Sean, are you attracted to men? Do you make out with men as well? Um, so I have made out with guys in the past. Um, it's never really done anything for me. So mm. like in the snuggle puddles and stuff like that, you know, I've had mm. a lot of naked bodies all over, and definitely because I definitely went through the old college try, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> as they say, yes. Uh-huh. And uh, but I had to think of women the whole time. Okay, there you go. So physically, no. But if I have a connection with somebody, um, then probably. Like, um, one of my first times I, I questioned my sexuality was in Boy Scouts. And I had a friend who I did not know at the time was gay, and we would wrestle a lot. And I didn't know what that was about till I was older. Mm. Um, but at the same time, there was definitely a, a feeling of eroticism a little bit, even at a young age, at like 12 and 13, that I could kind of feel that I understand now. I think um, a lot of what men do is like homoerotic and yeah, and it's guys true. are so like anti like ooh I would no homo right yeah. like I would never do but that I'm but I'm gonna smack you on the butt but dude. I'm gonna smack you on the butt right yeah. and or guys talk about your penis a lot or or guys like <laughs> how often okay. Sorry, no but like yeah. how often <laughs> or we're gonna masturbate together like, or I'm gonna yeah, yeah right? or I'm gonna teabag yeah. you like yeah. and it's like not a big deal yeah. but like but we're not gay and I'm like but. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's completely fine. I think yeah. women do a really, really great job of being like, you know what? I'm going to dive into this and see what happens. And if I like it, then cool. If not, then cool. Right? And I- but like guys are like, I think, I think when the moment, like the actual physical moment takes place and it's pointed out, guys are like, it's like, the, it's like butt stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Guys like something up their butt until you point it out. Right? <laughs> yeah, until yeah, you point yeah, it out. Yeah. They That's loved true. the way the tickling of the prostate felt, but then when you say, oh, you really enjoyed it when I tickled ah. your prostate, they're like, what the fuck? What are you talking uh, about? I didn't like that. Keep your finger out man. my butt. Yeah. And I think that that's how guys are, that masculinity comes into well, question because of it. Absolutely. And I think like you were saying, I think a lot of it comes down to social acceptance, right? I think that's one of the reasons why for, for women, it's a little bit more accepted, I feel. Yeah. So I feel like they have a little more leeway, but with guys like, oh, I can't do that. that that's right. And I think there's that social pressure that that's, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And, think, you know. Yeah. And I think it, it does. It speaks to the permission that we grant and also the fact that we eroticize women and we objectify them. Exactly. That's okay. It's a patriarchy side Right, but side it's effect. not okay to, right. But, so that's why I think it's so refreshing to hear the things that are going on in your relationship. The fact that you can talk about the eroticism of things that were going on when you were younger. Like, I think that's why it's so fantastic because as men, like, we normally don't think we have permission to do that um, and that it makes us less of men to admit anything. Like, Absolutely. We cried. We found someone attractive. Mm-hmm. We did whatever. We were vulnerable in any way. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I mean, just, I think that's it's wonderful. like one of the reasons why I was so attracted to Sean when I actually got to get to know him. Um, <laughs> after you saw the back of his head. After you saw the back of his head. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, was because like I grew up very 
religious and we mm-hmm. were very suppressed emotion like mm-hmm. emotionally and physically and stuff like that and then when I got older and like I started to realize that I do like girls and I am like more masculine and, than most of my girlfriends in like a you know traditional sense and stuff like that I wrestled with boys I wrestled with girls I did all that kind of stuff I mm-hmm. loved it and then was told to stop doing it because I was a girl. Mm. But when I met Sean, I was like, oh, wow, he cries. He's in touch with his emotions. He's not afraid to tell me certain things that were very, like, pulling fucking teeth out of some guys. <laughs> and it's like, I can't read your... Sometimes I can be a bit much, though. Yeah, that <laughs> way. No, There'll be nothing it. wrong. And I'm just like, are you sure nothing's wrong? What like, is your sign, Sean? Taurus. You're a Taurus. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. I wouldn't have expected that. I wouldn't have that. expected mm-hmm. that. I think it's because I'm a military kid, so I've yeah. moved a lot. So my, the idea of like, you know, because Taurus is like to to have a home and mm-hmm. anchor down, I don't think I've had that luxury. Mm. So I think there's definitely other... Tourist tendencies, but I think that mixes it up. Maybe I don't mm. know because there's. Yeah. I mean, I and I cannot remember who I'm getting ready to quote or uh, or anything. But you know, we all have dual energies, right? There's a feminine and there's a masculine energy that lives within all of us. Mm-hmm. And some of the you know feminine energies will present itself a lot more. Some of the masculine energies will present itself a lot more. And it just depends. And at various times, right? Sometimes your masculine energy will present itself. You know, when it comes time to like ordering food at a restaurant. And sometimes your feminine energy will present itself when the notebook is on. Yeah. And you just, and you just, you just never know. Right. And, and I think that that's, and I, and I think what's great about women is that women are capable of recognizing that all the time. Mm -hmm. Men have less of an opportunity to present it because any sign of weakness is a lack of masculinity. True. And, that not is true, a but perceived true. No, no, right? No, and that's and that's a no, no. And so yeah. uh, it's like really funny because we always joke about the fact that like I don't cry. Um, like I'm just not emotional in those ways. I think logic overtakes my You're ability. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. He doesn't, he doesn't get that. No, I don't. Like that. that was a Star Trek reference. Uh-huh. Don't come uh-huh. for me. It was a Star Trek reference. But what does it mean? Well, he, uh, ooh, of course, I can't think of his name right now, but he has no emotion. No, no, helping, no, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, but Spock, he literally had no emotion. I've seen Star Trek. Like, he had no emotions. He presented He's himself so like very, I get this. No, I get this. Don't be coming for me. I know what I'm talking about. No, but I think like I, because I tend to operate in a more logic like a more logical headspace like I don't have time for emotion Mm. so Uh. a lack of emotion immediately refers to a lack of femininity Mm -hmm. right (laughs) or or a lack of masculinity right right so like uh, and I think that that is, um, I think, a perceived, perceived lack of masculinity, yeah. which is, is crazy. So yeah. uh, or, am I saying that right? Anyways, but yeah, <laughs> but regardless of the situation, like because I'm not as emotional that like I, I have to be more of a man because of that situation. And that's not always what it is, but sometimes it is. And yeah. it's weird. Yeah, well, I feel it. No, absolutely. And and, and I, I was always, to be honest, um, that's one of the biggest things in my previous relationships that have hurt our relationships with my exes and stuff is that I tend to not be emotional sometimes. It's so funny because like where, there are mo- the things where she's very masculine, I'm very feminine. And the things that she's very feminine, I'm very masculine. 
And there are a lot of times, like, especially with your sister moving in with us, uh, where I've realized a lot of my masculine tendencies, where I'm like, why is this a big deal? It was a five second incident. Why are we talking about it for three hours? You know? Right. And I'm like, and I'm like, like, you need to listen. (laughs) There's more to it than just the incident. This is the iceberg. This is the tip of the iceberg, and the rest of this is the emotional stuff. Oh, <laughs> it's like yeah, but rooted. I would, <laughs> but I would just, I would fail to bring in um, emotional like variables That's into it. the equation that we're trying to like mm. solve or figure out. Yeah. And, um, and but at the other time, though, I'm also very empathic, so I feel it, but I may not talk about it mm. or factor it into my decisions of things. I don't know. Yeah. It's funny because, like, I don't cry often, but, like, when Evie Oddly won RuPaul's Drag Race, her... Spoiler alert. Her jo- well, I mean, like, if you guys didn't know that by now, then you are, like, not alive. But anyways, when she, when she won, her genuine response to winning literally brought tears to my eyes. And it was really? how genuine she was. Like, it was, like, genuine shock. She was, like, like, she was so surprised. And it was just so beautiful to me that, like, that brought tears to my eyes more Aww. so than anything um but like uh, like literally the sappy part of a movie i wouldn't cry at like i would never cry at because i'd be like this doesn't really happen this is so hollywood right now <laughs> <laughs> right like I, I'm absolutely genuine stuff that's what that gets genuine you. emotion like that'll get me like that will choke me up gray's anatomy still fucks me up all the time like, it's crazy. <laughs> all the time there's a song by jay wolf uh indian summer and I thought you said job rule for something like i heard <laughs> job rule but anyways continue. i was like job rule yeah. Yeah. Uh, jay wolf um mm-hmm. he has this song called indian summer and it's a very upbeat song, but it makes me cry every time. Mm. I don't know why. It just—it's like that larger than life. Like I can feel all the people on the earth. Like I can feel everybody. I can—I can feel the momentum of our planet spinning, and I love it. it just overwhelms me. And I cry every time. Mm, and so to good. It. It's incredible. And like I, honestly, since Molly, I do cry way more now because I feel like I have so something actually. to lose. You know, oh, and I think wow. for me. I was always just one of those living in the moments. I used to do a lot of really stupid things. Really? <laughs> uh, climb buildings, <laughs> jump off things that you should never jump off of. Um, one of our dates, he climbed up a pole, um, a water um, spigot thing. Spigot yeah. thing on the side of a building, and like, it started falling as he fell. And he just landed on his feet. Like, like a you cat, muck away. We, I was telling somebody. Yeah. <laughs> that is Wait, pretty stupid. For what that is reason? Stupid. I don't know. I just like there. climbing things. There. Is this San Francisco? <laughs> It's. I, I tell people all the time, like, I found my Peter... I was Tinkerbell in Neverland, and I couldn't find my Peter Pan until I met him. <laughs> like, and that's... Because when we met, it was just like, I'm doing this to you on the floor. And he's like, what? It's fun! <laughs> like, climbing oh, up the my God. My mother was literally like, well, now he's your problem. Yeah. And that's what she was talking about. Like, She's amazing. Um, I don't know. I just... Uh, so I've always been one of those people I have nothing to lose, right? Like, if I move because I want to try a new job somewhere else, the worst case scenario is that... I'm out of luck and then I have to live in a car for a little bit. Whatever. You know, it's like, I have nothing to lose except for hurting myself. Um, But then I met Molly and it's like, now I have something to lose. And I find that that has made me way more emotionally accessible Mm -hmm. because I'm like, oh, what if this was us? Oh, what if this? And now I cry at everything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. there. I remember this. We were at his place in, um, what was it, Russian Hill in San Francisco. And we were watching this movie with Ben Affleck. And I forget the movie. It was like... Geely? No, I don't know. I'm I don't think it was that. It was, it was like some movie where he's like in a gang... Like he's like having to do with mafia. And his the- wife is in like this container and they're putting mm-hmm. um, cement on it. And it was like the first time that I, f- 
I was watching this movie and I was getting really upset and like he comes and he gets her just in time and like it was a whole thing and I turned around and I looked at Sean and I said I this is the first time that I really feel like someone would do that for me like it was the first because I didn't I dated a lot of people like I was a Mouth whore for a while, but like <laughs> I like um, to call them tongue mouth sluts. Whore. Tongue, tongue sluts. sluts. I, like I like that. that. Yeah, I like that. That's what they dubbed me back, at, back at UNR. <laughs> I love that. I'm gonna use that from now on. I love yeah. it. But like, I never really got like my dad thought I was a lesbian for the longest time because like I never brought guys home. I never really talked about guys. I always talked to my girlfriends, you know. And yeah, it was just like a. It was one of those like really clarifying moments where I was like, oh fuck. Like, I really am in love. So, yeah. It's really funny because the connection that I feel to Tony, I feel like his is of anger. Well, like, his is... No, 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 no. Wait, let me, like, okay, I need let you me to clarify. clarify. I'm going to clarify. Or I'll hit it's, you. It's, <laughs> it's really... It's funny because, like, that tenderness that you feel like... Like, my husband is very tender, and he's actually the more emotional side of our relationship. But his... Like, I don't know that I... It's really interesting because I don't know that I, f- I feel like he would come and rescue me from that. <laughs> so I think he would kill everybody who made that happen. Like I think exactly. I feel like he would make that situation happen. But like the rescuing, we used to have this joke early on in our relationship where he was my knight in shining whatever. Aww. Like and the, because. It, it, it's he. He's not like the dashing prince that's coming in, like rescuing me because I don't really need rescue. Yeah, you don't. yeah. But but he is the one that's like. But I am going to get revenge. Yeah, all of the people that made <laughs> those things. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which I think is like really really lovely. It's sweet. It's really cute. I can totally oh, see homicide that. is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so this, oh. in your, I'm sorry. So in the time of your relationship, what would you say has been um, the most uh, challenging, like? Coexisting part of your relationship right now um, to oh, date. That I is so say. tough. Um, so, like, I don't know. I think the f- I can remember the first real fight that we ever had. Not the moving because that was like extenuating circumstances. But I'll tell you guys that story another time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but we had moved, so we'd already been together for almost three years at that point. Is this in Seattle? No, this was here. This when we here. were moved in, we've moved. We moved every year for the first three years of our relationship. So we lived in San Francisco for 11 months together. Then we moved to, because I was there for a while before Seattle. that. Then we moved to Seattle and then we moved to New York. Wow. wow. And we yeah. crossed country. So, so we've, been, uh, we've had a lot of different places. And honestly, we never really got in any real, real fights, you know, that weren't, weren't understandable until we moved here. And it was, uh, and it was a communication issue, which I think all arguments really are, right? Yep. Um, and we realize that, and it's something that we still battle with because we have certain obligations that we feel, it's hard for both of us to be greedy. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of our arguments come from that source. Um, uh, so this was one of our trademark arguments that really kind of highlighted that. I like but, we have a trademark argument. Right, trademark <laughs> argument. Uh, landmark argument? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but basically, um, we had just moved in. The apartment was empty. There was nothing in it. I was working like 10 hour days because I was trying to get up to speed. Everybody, I had started work at MakerBot. And when I joined, the people who had interviewed me when I was living on the West Coast, they all quit like that week. And then we were losing like one person a week. It was crazy. Wow. So I'm trying to get caught up and there's not even people to mentor 
for me. So I'm just trying to learn the code. So I'm like, I'm working like 10 hour days. And then um, on the weekends, I'm trying to catch up and go through documentation. And sleeping in our car for a month at that point. So yeah. Like, yeah. It was oh my in, God. in Brooklyn. Literally. Which is another funny story. It's a whole other story. But yeah. <laughs> well, I'll just segue with that one. Long story short, we, we were on 17th Street in Park Slope. It was our first night in Brooklyn. We're in our van. We're scared shitless because we don't know what to expect. You know, like, is this a bad neighborhood? We don't know. And we wake up the next morning and there's just like families having little flea markets and people. It was Sesame Street. <laughs> Street. And we're like, wow, this is why we, we hardly slept because yeah. we're worried about people breaking into the car today. Right. Yeah. Elmo's going to get you. No, right? someone, <laughs> someone's going to bring you a latte. Right? Yeah, exactly. Hey guys, you look like you need some help. Yeah. It was as far from the fears you can imagine. It was like, yeah. wow. But um, so yeah, we moved into our apartment and we didn't have anything for like a good month. And yeah. I was like really stressed out and I was really, and I was getting upset with her because she's not buying things for the apartment. So he wanted me to like start buying stuff, but I was having issues because I had been working my whole life like and I was a nanny I took care of kids most of my life I was a gymnastic teacher in San Francisco like I worked my ass off and when we came to New York he's like if we're coming to New York you need to not work a full-time job and you need to just be an actor and like you you can use the money that you have to do whatever you want with your acting but like do this because it's the only time that you're gonna get. We're gonna get this opportunity to oh do it. Oh my god, how supportive and cute! He's insanely oh, amazing. That is like, good. and I've I took, but it was really hard. It was so hard because I'd been taking care of everybody my whole life, including my sisters, who one of them was living with me at the time we moved in. So, at this point, basically, like I was freaking out because I was like, I need to get a job to help pay to buy these things. Mm-hmm. So she's spending all her time looking for work and I didn't know this. Yeah, and I, I just, I'm like, you've been home. You have nothing to do. It's been a month. How come there's no furniture? Like, I need go to sit on splurge, a have yeah. fun. And I'm like, this is great. We have like, we have this money that we saved up and like, I'm making, I'm making good money. Just go and enjoy yourself. Like, I mean, you get so, to go and just buy furniture, do whatever you want. Like, why are you not doing this? You never say that to me. <laughs> you haven't saved any money. <laughs> but I also am making a lot of money. Too, so let's get that straight. Tony's always like, oh, you're making money? Give it all to me yeah. so I can take care of things. And I'm like, you never say, here's this. Go have fun. Aww. Well, guess what? You don't need the permission. <laughs> it's true. He knows. Yeah. He knows. There's a reason he has no money. Yeah. <laughs> I get what I want when I want. I work hard for it. So I yeah. Yeah. You're sitting on. I, oh, no. I, I, but see, I buy furniture for our apartment because he's like, we don't need anything. We'll just put wood glue on it. And I'm like, I feel that. no, we're going to get Yeah, we're getting real things furniture. to sit on. Yeah. Because Why are you buying crap that can't be fixed? That's no, crap. No, I'm sorry. We spent like shekels on it when we bought so the yeah. least we could do is like get new ones yeah so that, absolutely like, here's a compromise we'll keep the table but the chairs they're gone yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we're getting we'll new chairs yeah yeah, yeah. 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 um i'm sorry so, no, oh so, yeah no no so so i was like really upset like, and i was really upset because i'm like why aren't you taking the initiative to make our house nice and I'm you like, know i can't work and shop i can't do it yeah like, and i was like you don't under- like I was, I was literally like you don't understand so i'm i get angry i clean and i i have to just you do too. I'm a cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like... Yeah, when she starts cleaning, that's when I get scared. <laughs> like, you know, putting her... So I cleaned and listened to him for like... I don't even... It felt like forever. And um, I was just... I was fucking livid. And uh, I locked myself in the bathroom and I started crying. And he's like, are you okay? And I came out and I told him... And it didn't occur to me that I hadn't told him that. And that was my... What and same. I was going what through. I just said, I never actually said to her until that moment after the afterwards. And so that usually is how our arguments go. Is like, 
one of us can't articulate how we're feeling. And a lot of it for, I think for me in particular, is that in past relationships, I was not, not all of them, but some of them I wasn't allowed to have a, uh, an opinion. Mm. Or I, there would be a lot of like la- backlash if I did had a different opinion than them. Mm-hmm. So I think in that moment, that was like, I was going through like, I can't, I can't, I, I just can't, I can't say what, how I actually feel. Mm. So we've worked on that because yeah. both of us have this thing because we're both uh, earth signs. So we, yeah. What's your sign? Capricorn. Capricorn. That's okay. why we work. July. <laughs> uh, ju- uh, January. Uh, January. I'm January sorry. 7th. I don't know why I said that. January. Okay. But, oh, my mom and dad's anniversary. That's oh. funny. Yeah. But yeah, for me, it was impossible to imagine. Like, I'm working. You can just go out and do whatever you want. And get Like, how are you not happy and seizing this opportunity? But it's like, because, yeah, she's ne- she's not the kind of person to take things. Even two and a half years married, she still has problems taking my money. Well, it's really, <laughs> it's really funny. I remember one, uh, a fight that Tony and I had. Yeah. He uh, said to me, like, you know, I he, Tony has a really great state job. And he's like, look, we could move to Albany. I could work in the corporate like world and make way more money mm-hmm. and our money could go further in that area because the cost of living is less there. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't even have to work. Like we can move there. I would be able to take care of you. You can do any of your passion projects mm-hmm. and we do that. And I went off on him. Wow. <laughs> I was really? Like, Who the f- fuck do you think I am? I am nobody stay at home with yeah. anything. I would never need you to take care of me. Is that what you think you got when you married me or like yeah. wanted to be with me? I would never do it. And he was like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I'm just trying to like tell you that like we could like do these circumstances a little bit differently. And I was mm-hmm. like, no. I was like, look, I get it. Days later, we were like finally yeah. able to actually talk about it. And I was like, I get it. You're being sweet. And I understand yeah. what you're saying and doing. I said, but at the end of the day, like I am not, I am independently, I'm dependently independent, right? Yeah. Like I depend on you because you're my partner, yeah. but I'm independent in the way that like, I don't need to be taken care of. I just Absolutely. need you to walk alongside me. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the thing that helped us with that is that, uh, like I told Molly, it's like, you're a student. You've never had the opportunity to go to college, really, and be a student. This is your opportunity to do that. You're not freeloading. You're just a student. Right. And I mean, I didn't, I quit my job finally a year ago after I got hit by a car. Um, Oh. But like that, but even still, like, I worked. (laughs) I was like, I did part-time work. uh, And then I, as a nanny, and then I got hit. And now um, I, because I got hit, I quit. And um, I do video editing. So does that mean it was hit it and quit it? It was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just my they kind of did, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, shit. I'm so sorry to hear that. That's yeah. awful. You know what? It was life changing, and like, uh, it it is shitty. But like, I and my knee still hurts. But like, I'm alive, and nothing worse happened. It could have been way worse. I was with the baby I was watching at the time, and oh, wow. I pushed him out of the way to get. Uh, him out of the way of the car and I was about to jump up onto the car because I've been hit in San Francisco people do it all the time um, but it not to this extent this person was like turning around the corner at like lightning speed and this woman grabbed me out of the way like wow. as the car was hitting me it was and so I 
took him home and his mom was, I had to deal with his mom and like, not deal with it, but like, she was really upset, obviously. And she was like, is everything okay? Everybody's okay. Took him to the hospital, made sure he was okay with everything because his basket just kind of fell. But like, it took me until about a month later and I saw these two kids get hit by a car in, on our street. Wow. And, um, I brought, I just With their nanny. With their nanny mm. and their mom. And the two kids died. The mom oh. lost her baby that she had. And the nanny and the mom were severely injured. Oh, my God. Jeez. Yeah. And I walked by that, like, after... Because I didn't even... It, like, it didn't hit, like, the... the I guess you would consider it PTSD, but, like, it didn't really... Register. Register until I, wa- like, witnessed you that. You watched it. Yeah, like... Yeah. I walked by it as they were putting the, the, you know, tape up and everything. And, um... And so it was like one of those moments where you're like, and then we went out a few days later and Shannon, my sister and Sean were both like, I broke down. I just like lost it. And they were like, you have to quit. Like if anything, this is a sign. And the day that I quit my job was April 19th. um, And I was debating on whether or not I was going to do it. And I was sitting in a Starbucks near my work or the work that I was at. And I watched a guy get hit by a car as I was thinking that thought. And he like the universe is like smacking you in the head. Do it, girl. Stop it. <laughs> it literally was like put it and hit a Bitch, girl. Bitch, you right. can yeah. ignore me. Yeah, I, that is, you that's cannot terrible. ignore me. I am yeah. telling you a message. You will receive it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh my god! If wow. we ever walk anywhere, I'll be, I'll walk on the outside of the sidewalk. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, not, no, it's yeah. like it's a thing, man. That's like crazy, and it was all in Brooklyn, all in the area that I worked and lived. Like mm. it's insane, but like that was eye opening, and it made me really go like. What's important? Sean's important. Shannon's important. My family's important. My my friends are important. And I've been wanting to do this thing that I've helped everybody else do my my entire life. Like, it's time to take the kindness and the generosity of the person that loves me unconditionally, who's not going to hold it over my head, and say, okay, I'm ready to... I'm ready to... I might cry. (laughs) But, like, I'm, I'm ready to accept that from you but that was so hard for me to do i mean it was only a year ago that i got hit and it was only a year ago that i said okay i I, i'm ready to do this and my life has changed Mm. and i got a job playing a mom the day that i quit i got strangles her child She didn't hit her with a car. Yeah. Well, she did. She did take the nanny and bury her in the woods with her car. So wow. there was a car involved. Wow. So. I am so sorry. I mean, Ugh. I'm so glad that you are on the other side of the situation. Yeah. And that things have gotten better yeah. exponentially. Yeah. But and that you guys are happy. But yeah, like going back to your original question, like the the, the things that we're at anymore. But about like what what our relationship is facing, you know, sure. and like some of those like um, oh those the, challenges, yeah, those challenges and stuff. I think that has been the biggest challenge that has always been present, but definitely more so now is like allowing us to be happy. Yeah. It's so hard to allow yourself to just be happy, mm. you know. And I feel like we both have that boulder syndrome, right? Or at least like that's what we call Absolutely. it, where it's just like when things are going well, then you start expecting that boulder to hit you, right? So you never really in the moment. And you're not allowing yourself to enjoy what's going on now because you're just waiting for it to go wrong. 
And oh my god, that literally that boulder just hit me yeah. because that's because yeah. I live my life like that. He's like sh- the other shoe drop. I'm like I'm, wait, I'm like oh, wait wow. for the other shoe to drop on. It yeah, it's and it's funny because every birthday I always like try to create. My birthday was on uh, like last, last Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy, Happy birthday! birthday. Thank, you. Thank you. So for me, I always try to like create life lessons, and, and my lesson this year is uh, to uh, lead with happiness mm-hmm. because I think all too often I lead with like other emotions like ooh that made me angry or ooh that let me annoyed or oh I'm so confused or I'm so frustrated or like I always lead with that but like my goal for this year is to like lead with happiness that's great that's a great goal but but I love that you said that because happiness is really hard to acknowledge at first especially when you're waiting for shit to hit the fan absolutely Um, absolutely the boulder syndrome I love I'm fascinated by that please continue oh well like so yeah like she was saying like um, accepting that I love her unconditionally and I'm never gonna hold that over her head and just accepting that she's in a place where she's always wanted to be where you can focus on your career and like me too like I I found the person that's my soulmate I always wanted a partner in crime more than Mm -hmm. anything else and I have that (laughs) he said that on our first date and I like literally stopped and I was like Yes, <laughs> a Bonnie to your Clyde. Exactly, yeah. I love it. That and is amazing. but it's been hard because it's like, when is it going to go wrong? And yeah. so mm-hmm. most of our, I think, turmoil in the relationship has just been like allowing ourselves to believe that this is it. It's okay, and also not feeling guilty for being happy. Right. There's also a lot of guilt that's pushed upon you oh. when you're happy, especially when your friends are struggling to find that, or even when your friends are married and they're dealing with stuff. And it's just like it's okay to just be happy, and you're allowed that. Mm-hmm. It sure is. You, know? you sure are. <laughs> I love it. So, guys, last thoughts. What um, if if you were to give advice or guidance? Because we don't like to give advice; we like mm-hmm. to guide. If you were to give any guidance to anybody that's out there that's like seeking a relationship or in a relationship or anything of the sort, what um, what have you learned that you would guide anybody on? Love. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, uh. Take care of yourself first. Mm. Figure out what you actually want and not what you think you want. Because I, I was just hanging out with a girlfriend last night who's really upset about um, her dating life. And I said, well, have you ever written a list down of like what you actually want? Not like the idea of somebody, but what that act- that relationship looks like. I'm, I'm an actor, so to me it's like all visual and mm. like storytelling. And like have you th- really done done the homework for yourself to be like yeah this is this is negotiable this is not this is this this is that and so we just sat there and like I listened to her talk um and I asked her questions and we put got open a notebook that I had just bought that day and I gave it to her and she wrote all these things down and she called or not called me but uh, messaged me this morning and said you know that really helped me thank you very much and so I think, like, just know know yourself before you go into a relationship. And also find really... Before you go into a relationship, have really good friends mm. who, you can, who you can build that support system with. Um, and I know that's not necessarily about relationships, but I think having those things in place really set you up for living with somebody. With really being able to be open and honest and caring and loving if it weren't for my best friends and my sister i would not have been ready for sean Mm. they really helped me be okay with myself before i got into a relationship and like that was like the best gift i got from them 
I love it. So yeah, yeah. that that would be my advice. <laughs> I like it. Guidance. guidance. There guidance. you go. My guidance. And what about you, Sean? Uh, my guidance would be wait till you're thirty. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. No, nothing wrong with that. So true. <laughs> I think it really just summarizes what Molly was saying too. That was just like you have to know yourself, and quite frankly, you don't know yourself till you're at least thirty. Quite frankly, it's so true. And it's yeah. You're again. We're always changing. And I feel like, but again, knowing how that change and finding that pattern so you know where you're going, that takes time. Um, but my other advice would be like, I don't know, I have two, but I don't know, there's so much. Anyway, uh, my other advice would probably be, um, or my guidance would be, um, I feel like you have to accept that other person as a person, right? A lot of people mm-hmm. fall in love with ideals and mm-hmm. ideas of people and not mm-hmm. the person. Yeah. And my parents, if anything, I think one of the reasons they work is because they've accepted the other person as a person, but the flaws, hopes, dreams, right. fears, all that. Um, and just realizing that person is just a, that they're going to have desires. They're going to have other things. They're going to have problems. Uh, they're going to be things you may never see, like just being able to be happy and be okay with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but Sean doesn't always put the toilet seat up. It drives me nuts, but I accept him and love him for who I he too. is. I <laughs> it's true. There you go. Or down. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait down. a minute. He wait always leaves it up. I think he always leaves it up. Always leaves it up. Yeah. I got it. No, but those are, I think that that's something that I personally have learned is, you know, uh, and we talked about this in another episode where it, it's really funny because like the some of the things that annoy me about Tony now are the things that made me fall in love with him back in the day mm. yeah and it's so weird how that like switch changes mm. right absolutely like, how, like, all of a sudden this is like a problem but before i used to love it and and why like where mm. where did that happen why did that happen what is the situation i like to think because the circle i met tony when i was 25 so when i was 25 i didn't know shit right yeah. <laughs> i was like I didn't, I didn't know shit i didn't yeah. know anything so like you see things and you're like that's fine like i can handle that and now that we're older and we're together um and and we have a life we're married you know we we have a future with one another i'm kind of like okay like i get it like that exists i would kind of like to see a mature version of that happen (laughs) because those things are important right you would like to see a little bit of an evolution you're supposed to change yeah as a couple um but uh at the end of the day you know those quirkiness those quirky those the, the, those things that did make me fall in love with him still exist in him mm-hmm. today and and I need to allow it absolutely yeah. and I also think like at, at the very heart of yourself you realize that if that person was ever to go away and those annoyances went with them it would break your heart <laughs> you would miss them. totally yeah. right. you would miss them I remember the first time I realized I was really falling for Molly because she would take this uh, we used to have one of those Brita pictures mm-hmm. and I would come home from work and it would just be chilling in the sink because she would fill it up and then she'd forget about it oh, and God, she wouldn't Marco put it back yeah, I do it all the time <laughs> it's not I, true. It the time. I, I would put and it like, in the sink because I wanted to fill it and then I would fill it again because she wants to fill it multiple times so Twice. it's all the time that's what happens but, but more, you forgot that you filled it the second but, time that's but it's like too. it was like almost every day like I mean she almost <laughs> never put it back in the fridge and at first I was like really annoyed by it but then I realized like if I came home one day and that water pitcher was still in the fridge and I didn't have because I had lost her it would break my heart of course and it's like those are the things that you like those patterns and stuff like that they're okay even if they annoy you just temporarily <laughs> you know it's a part of something bigger and greater I remember yeah. Tony and I had a pretty big fight and um we like patched things up and everything was fine and then I was like in the apartment and we had music on and I was like singing and dancing around the apartment like just like having a good time and he literally came up to me said 
if I ever lost you, one of the things that I would miss the most is hearing you sing and watching you dance and like having that in my life all the time. Like, I don't know what I would do without that. And I was like, oh, that's really precious. Like, that's very, very sweet. And so, um, yeah, I get it. Like, what do those things look like when they're gone? I tell him all the time, like, when he snores when he sleeps, <laughs> it's yeah. just the thing that happens. And when I don't have it, I don't have good nights of sleep. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because I'm like, what's going on? Is he dead? What happened? I don't Yeah, I don't get it, but I'm glad it happened. So, guys, thank you so much for being thank here. You. Thank you for yeah. having us. I really us. appreciate it. This has yeah. been so much. I literally could talk to you guys for like another <laughs> two hours. Forever. It's been absolutely Same. amazing. So, tell us what you guys have going on. Are there any projects that we need to be aware of? What are your social media handles? All sure. of that. So, I am doing a web series. It's, uh, we're writing it current. Well, not web series, we're, it's a series. Um, it's got, it's gotten bigger than what we thought, um, and it's we're in the writing process for it right now, and it's called I Think I'm a Bitch, mm. and it's talking about like um, normal like we don't it's basically an idea of like normalizing some stereotypes that we have, mm. um, and it follows these three girls um, who are all in the music industry in some shape, way, or form. One's a singer songwriter, one's a writer, one is. Um, uh, ends up becoming a DJ, um, or she used to be, and she kind of goes back into it. And um, it's it's going to be really fun. And we just finished a really writing the heaviest episode last night, which is about um, sexual assault. Mm. And so we talk on some pretty intense topics, and we're using it's going to be more of like a, a Mr. Robot Russian doll type of feel with a um, almost famous twist. Mm. Um, taking place in New York, and so we're gonna be we're gonna be uh, posting some stuff soon about that. But like, it's I I think it's gonna be a really good series, um, and it's going to talk about a lot of hot topics that we generally don't see in media, mm. um, and just like the idea of normalizing it. It's like mm. it's not a big deal. This is literally how life is um fascinating yeah so you said you're gonna be posting about it where on instagram so i have an instagram it's molly gazay and um, gazay for everyone yeah g-a-z-a-y so molly m-o-l-l-y g-a-z-a-y um and so we'll be posting it on there and we'll have an instagram handle for that too soon great yeah anything else any other projects or anything we should be made aware of um I mean, I'm doing so much. It's yeah, like it's true. I don't know. Like right now, there. Like I just literally did an entire month of filming. So um, yeah, those projects will be coming out soon. But like, I don't know where you're going to be able to see those. I mean, as soon as you get the information for it, send it our way. We'll yeah. make sure that our listeners yeah, we'll have do a little access blast. to it. Yeah. Oh yeah, that'd be yeah, awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys. Absolutely. And of course, yeah. we'll put it on yours when it's available. Yeah, too, yeah. So people can just follow yeah. you Absolutely. as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And what about you, Sean? Where can we follow you? Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of a hermit. So, oh. um, yeah, so social media wise, I'm just Sean OCR on everything. It doesn't matter what it is. It's Sean OCR, like literally. Which spelling of Sean? Oh, S-E-A-N, OCR. Okay. I'm on everything. Uh, as far as what I've got going on, if you count playing Oculus Rift for like hours upon until your eyes fall out, <laughs> then I have lots I going on. I do. <laughs> actually, he's actually going to be playing um, 
he's learning how to play guitar because we're actually doing they're working oh, yeah, on a right. fundraiser at the end of the month called Go Girl and mm. it's about um, self empowerment for girls. Love it. And um, he's actually learning on the guitar uh, Jesse J's Who You Are. So we can mm. like that so we can play together. Yeah. Yeah. She's in, it's it's crazy the amount of stuff she's inspired me to do. I've always wanted to learn music, she's but so I, fucking talented. Oh, so it's ridiculous. And you make it look so easy, which is like hide under the table. There you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yeah, I love it. it's really like if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be like, oh, I could do this. Molly plays piano and she's amazing. And then and I, I give it a try and I'm like, oh my God, it's going to take so much time. Your, but she just does and, and she does well. It's, next star. She's your next star. I love it. I like it. Hopefully. I like it. It's going to happen. You guys, it New has York, been, it's happening. I, seriously, right? <laughs> it has been such a pleasure. Thank, thank you both so much for being here. Thank and you. Thank you so much to Maria and Owen for introducing yeah. us. Absolutely. We need to all get together. Yes. That's like like very 100%. soon. So sorry, Maria. We will have game night soon. <laughs> I promise. Maybe we should throw it here so that everyone <gasps> yeah. can come here. That'll be I'd love wonderful. That. I love That'd be it. awesome. You guys are amazing. We like to host game night. Yeah. Oh, I love it. One of our favorites. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. So I'm probably the last person to talk to you about social media. I don't snap book. Uh, That's Facebook and Snapchat. I'm not on the Twitter. It's, It's just Twitter. There's no the in front of it. And I barely understand what IG means. Wait, you you don't know that IG means Instagram? No. But I do know one thing. There's a bunch of relationship content on all the social media apps. Uh, Yeah, that's right. On Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, we are at PodRelationship. Yep. Just look for us and follow, retweet, or whatever it is you do to pay attention to us. (laughs) Oh my goodness. My husband puts up great content related to the podcast. I sure do. You can help us answer listener situation questions. You can check out past and present hashtag gay relationship goals. And you can get updates on relationship related events and activities. So grab your phone. Open up Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Go to the search bar and type in pod relationship and join in on the discussion. We look forward to interacting with each and every one of you via social media. We'll see you there. Bye. Bye. So that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in and being a part of this really important conversation. Really? I had to sound it out. (laughs) One of the tougher words. (laughs) Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pod Relationship. And don't forget to subscribe and rate us. And tell everyone Marco can't read. <laughs> I've just been pretending this entire time. Um, <laughs> you could also email us at relationshipquestions at gmail.com if you have any situations, see that's a hard one to say, or comments that you'd like us to address here on the show. And don't forget to check out our IGTV channel, Relationship, for a behind-the-scenes post-show conversation about this week's episode. Tony and I are going to harass your ears next week. As soon as we teach Marco how to read. I can handle it. And remember, don't start no shit, won't be no shit. Okay, you better tell them.
Howdy, y'all. It's your favorite hosts, Marco and Tony, with a quick relationship-related announcement. You wrote, we listened. Going forward, Tony and I will focus more time on our interviews. We've connected with so many great individuals, and we want to highlight the diversity of our community as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Because you've enjoyed all the different voices that have come on the show, we'll make each interview longer and make our listener situations a special segment that airs once a month. So please continue writing to us about all your dirty laundry, mixed messages, disappointing dates, and of course, your relationship-related drama. One episode per month will consist of your situations in lieu of an interview. This will give some variety to the show without sacrificing your ability to be heard. Thank you all for your input and the ownership of our message. We're excited about this new direction. As always, thanks for listening. Bye! Bye.